Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. <laughs> we are... <laughs> Hold on, let me get this out of the way, and then I will ask why you are chuckling. Okay. We are part of the Reformed Rebel Network, so go follow Reformed Rebel Network on social media. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher, and also on YouTube to get the video version of our content. And then if you want exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash reformed rebel, and you can become a patron. If you do subscribe to the audio version of our network's content, which is the better version because you're not forced to look at our ugly nugs. That's true. <laughs> There's just less you need to deal with. <laughs> There's just less obstacles. That's right. Um, you might have noticed that we have a new logo. Yeah. And I think it looks pretty stinking awesome. Yeah. Jesse did a really good job for us. He worked really hard, like, over a long period of time, too. I mean, like, he really put his heart and soul into it, so... Yeah, because if We're you're super thankful. a faithful listener, if you're a faithful listener, you know that we talked about a new logo some months ago, many moons right. ago. I think before Christmas, honestly, like I think it's been a hot minute that we've been trying to like really figure out what we wanted, and yeah. then we've been giving Jesse a hard time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I we think love he's you, made Jesse. several versions for yeah. us. Yeah, you know, he did a great job, and that that's a sign of doing a great job yeah so and all pro bono of, i mean he just did it out of the kindness of his heart yeah he loves the network so the that's network. why it's taken us so long to get merch out too it's not that like yes. we really have been i mean we have you know kind of just COVID. dropped the ball a little bit i just but, blame everything on covid in 2020 <laughs> but we were really waiting for this too i mean we really wanted our yep. merch to go out with our new logo on it so now that that's done that's a huge hurdle for us and we're really excited to get stuff out listen we have plans to put this logo on like everything mm -hmm. we want we want merch of all the kinds but Absolutely. if you have an idea of something that you would love to see that new logo on whether it be a tumbler pint glass t-shirts socks beanies hat, joggers tote patch, bags aprons mugs apron babe apron <laughs> we're gonna talk about some like we can make stuff, aprons that say weaker vessel that'd be so legit babe Money that is super good, <laughs> man. We're gonna make millions. Uh, that'd be really uh, good. Millions of pennies. Yes, millions of anything sounds good to me. <laughs> I want it on joggers. That's really what I want. This is our claim to fame. Gray, gray joggers with wonder, the logo. That'll be great. I wonder what kind of uh, black would be good. What kind of payments Jesse will require of us if we get millions of pennies? Since this is his logo, and you, you just gave Jesse an idea. Jesse's like, I need to license this logo to them now. <laughs> Everything they make with that logo, I want a percentage. Oh, goodness. Um, so let us know. Write us a message. Put a comment on our posts of episodes. Whatever you got to do, communicate with us. And let us know where you think that logo would look awesome. Yeah. And then we'll look into putting it there and putting it into your hand. Yes. How's that for a sales pitch? Sounds pretty good to me. Pretty good. Um, the Rebel Podcast will be back soon. So we've been told, Chris, Nate, so we've been told our 
going to be recording again soon. Yep. And putting out content again. I know I'm really excited. My weekly podcast regimen is not the same without them. Yeah, they're they are causing us to stumble. I miss them. <laughs> I do. I miss them. Come on, guys. And, uh, Come on, guys. Get get with it. We we're aching. We're aching for some Rebel Podcast. Yes. So it should be soon. So be on the lookout. I know you have had to suffer with just hearing from us every week for several months now. Yeah, it's been several months. So we apologize. Bless your heart. Yes. You you gotta have some kind of reward in heaven for that kind of suffering. It's true. <laughs> so I'm laughing. Okay. Because this is the fourth or the fifth time we've recorded a podcast. I lost count. After the fourth time that we've tried, at least the fourth time, we decided just to scratch the topic. So we're coming to you with little to no prep on this topic tonight. Like, it's a totally new one that we were not prepared to record. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to be like Pentecostal in this moment and be like, God shut the other one down. Let the spirit lead. (laughs) He closed our ignorant mouths, (laughs) (laughs) caused us to not be able to produce what we were really wanting to produce. And so now we're going to talk about something that actually we've had three separate people bring up to us in the Mm -hmm. last like four or five days. So it's, it's not even been a week. On our minds, obviously. Yeah, like totally separate individuals from separate walks of life. So this is just something that we're like, well, maybe we should just talk about this. Maybe this is what we should talk about this week. So we're going to. Mostly because we're dumb and we can't talk about the other topic. <laughs> it was a struggle bus that broke down. <laughs> <sighs> maybe we'll eventually broach that topic, yeah. but it's not going to be tonight. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So tonight, what are we talking about? So... We're going to kind of meander down the boulevard of how to structure your family in a godly way. Is that a good way to say that? When your family opposes you. And then be resolved in it <laughs> when your We're showing family, our hand. When your family opposes you. So yes. how to structure and build a household, build a family in a godly way, even when your immediate family really Mm -hmm. opposes you. I feel like this is really an interesting topic for right now too, because so much is changing in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's causing a lot of families to change how they do family. And um, some people are convicted of things they were not convicted of earlier, a few years ago, even a few months ago. Well, and we've seen a lot of people become even more conservative Mm -hmm. than they've ever been. Right. And then, who knows, maybe some people have become even more liberal than they've ever been. But it does seem... I think there are fewer of those. It does seem... That's true. It does seem, though, that our time right now is kind of causing people to... To go one way or the other, we've seen right. more going conservative. Yeah, I mean, you've had people reach out to you. Yeah, multiple people. Uh-huh. And even the other day, another comment of somebody who um, saying similar things. But what that does, though, that creates conflict, though. You know right. what I mean? So. Well, yeah, because people are, when well, children even, are really used to having a routine mm-hmm. and used to the norm. And so when things change, sometimes it can be a struggle for your extended family, for your children, for your friends group, 
for people in your church even who are used to you thinking and doing things a certain way and relying on you for certain things that you no longer either are able to execute, want to execute, or like maybe you're just changing everything up and it just kind of is ticking everyone off. So what do you do? Well, I, I just as you were talking, I'm just thinking like, it, routine is something 2020 knows nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone is going. What does crazy. that mean? What does that even mean? But you know what might be stirring up some of these things too, which I don't think is any of the situation that we've actually talked about. But I was just thinking about how many um, people who lost jobs right. and are moving in with mom and dad, or moving in with grandma and grandpa, or or, or have, vice versa. Ha- yeah, or having them move in with you. But a lot of families. And I've heard about this here and there, Mm -hmm. that families are consolidating because... It's super common here in New York to have multi-generations in one home, too. But again, that will kind of cause the same conflict that we're talking about is Mm -hmm. now you have warring ideologies in the home. And perhaps it's not even something... but you have a established family and you want to change stuff. Perhaps Mm -hmm. some of you are newly engaged. And you're thinking, how how should I set up my family? Mm-hmm. Because I know things are going to change. Relationships are going to change. And they should change, right? When you get married, relationships yes. must change. Your, sure. your dynamic between your parents and you or your friends and you, it's just going to change. So, and should. And, yeah, and should. That's a yeah. good biblical thing. So even for those people or even single people who will right. someday be married, this this could be really helpful. So I think what is really helpful from the start is to, like Joshua, say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so obviously a Christian, and I know this this ought to be obvious, well, and I yet think, it's not. But I think most Christians would agree with you, right? So you build your house on mm-hmm. a foundation of God first. Right. And that looks like being your family is a member of a church and you go weekly mm-hmm. to worship with God's people on the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. And then the children are brought up according to the commands of Ephesians 6 in the culture and the teaching and the training of the Lord. Right. They grow up knowing who God is, what God is like, that they belong to him and which is why we baptize them <laughs> and and then and so that's the next layer of the foundation right god first and so then everyone in within that household mm-hmm. follows that which is why in acts you see household baptisms right that was a good and godly thing that households became christian right because the culture of the home became christianized right and so those in the home were part of a christian home that should be the natural outpouring of a godly mother and father, you know, cultivating a Christian environment in their home is everything about that home should be Christianized. So I'm thinking of um, perhaps some instances where Mm -hmm. God is sanctifying individuals. And I mean, most Christians would say, yeah, like my home is a Christian home. Even nominal Christians might yeah. say like, oh, yeah, we're a Christian home for sure. Yeah. But um, it really boils down to them saying like, I won't deny God. 
Right. So I'm a Christian home. <laughs> right, right. So let's just say anyway. there's a sanctification process that's been had, and now there are new convictions, new um, habits and mm-hmm. routines that are being formed and are being implemented in a home. Right. And let's just say it's not being met with the best response. <laughs> okay. Perhaps by the kids or by like in-laws or friends or whatever. I'm trying to think of what a common thing might be. And I think one like entertainment choices Mm -hmm. might be a really common thing. How to celebrate the Lord's Day. How you Definitely how you celebrate the Lord's Day. Um, Holidays. Yeah. Birthdays. How holidays are celebrated since we have a church calendar where Christ is the center of christmas and easter and stuff like that and many people would every sunday and then every sunday it's a holiday yeah but then you know most people wouldn't deny christ is the center but they don't celebrate live in light of it right they don't celebrate or live in light of light of that fact Mm -hmm. that he's the center of it and most of the time so i'm not going to get super uh i'm not going to zoom in because mm-hmm. I I want to purposely stay a little bit broad here, right? Because I feel like this can apply to everyone to some extent. Yeah. Again, we we try and do that here, where we try to lay down a biblical principle so that you are able to grab it and apply it to your context. Because mm-hmm. I don't know your context. We don't know everybody's situation, everybody's. Nor family. do we want to, to be really honest Nor, with you. I mean, it would be I exhausting. Had, if I had like the matrix ability, do you just plug in and then? I'm able to know your situation. Right. That'd be super cool. Okay, so there yet. so let me give you situations, okay. and we'll kind of play devil's advocate since we have no other plan. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's say that your family is not Christian, mm-hmm. and we have felt this in uh, both sides of the family. There are family members who are not Christian, mm-hmm. and they don't understand why you maybe parent a certain way or why you celebrate a certain holiday a certain way or whatever. And you're the Bible thumper. You are uh, just selfish because you don't want to celebrate Christmas a certain way that the family's always celebrated Christmas or whatever. But now that you're a Christian and you have biblical convictions about how Christmas should be celebrated or going to church every Sunday as opposed to going out to your family's, you know, lake house or whatever it is. Like yeah, there could be certain situations. Things are changing and the family is like, well, you know, if you're a Christian and this is what, you know, being a Christian is all about, just being super selfish and not even caring about the family, then I don't want to be a Christian. And then you're stuck there thinking like, well, am I, am I like being a bad testimony? Like, right. what do I do here? Like, I feel like I should be loyal to God, but at the same time, like I do love my in-laws or I love my parents or whatever. Right. And I don't want to seem like I don't love them too. What do you do? Grant, so, what do you do? What what do I do? What did I do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Neither of our families have a lake house, but that would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. Dad, go buy a lake house. Um, <laughs> he doesn't listen to It's kind of funny because uh, Grant's dad lives in the desert, so <laughs> right. there's no lake. Hey, there's a lake nearby. They Anyway, it's irrelevant. Um, well, two scriptures popped into my head as you were talking. One is in Peter... I don't know the exact reference, but remember he talks <laughs> about... Because we're really prepared Because we're super... The 12 seconds that we prepared for this... <laughs> sorry, I didn't look that one up. Um, 
But he talks about Google. being being reviled. My anyway, being reviled for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't be reviled because you're a fool. Don't just be right. this idiot out in the world and then you're reviled by the world and then you're like, oh, persecution. And they're like, no, it's because you're an idiot. Right. Like, for Christ's sake, be reviled. And right. then that's a good thing because you're standing on your relationship with Christ, which right. is your foundation, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But then also Jesus said, I did not come, like I did come to judge. I came yeah. to divide. Right. I did come to divide father from son, mother from daughter, and on and on. He states a bunch of relationships that you think are undividable. Right. That's a word. Indivisible. There you go. And <laughs> and then you realize, wow, that's that's radical. And Jesus said, if you don't hate yeah. family, if you don't hate your not, mother and father, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. I mean, we always think Jesus is the you know. A hippie dude with a lamb on his shoulder, just like, oh, judge not, y'all. Mm-hmm. But really, it's like, no, it's really serious. Jesus knew that following him was going to take some skin off your back, and it was going to be a big deal. And so he prepared us with stuff like that. Right. Hey, unless you hate mom and dad, and you're like, well, that, I mean, that's never going to happen. I'm not going to have to hate mom and dad. And then here comes Christmas or a holiday. And you're like, oh, I really want to go to Christmas Eve service. But then your unbelieving parents or whoever it is, right, says, well, that's when we open prisons. Or that's that's when we had, you know, that's paid for the Santa to come and visit the kids. Right. That's when so, we did. Yeah, whatever, right? There's a hundred yeah. examples. And now you have to, quote unquote, hate mother and father, which again, the, la- the Greek language and what Jesus was saying was in comparison to how much it you love God. Look, it will mm-hmm. look like hate. It will look like complete disregard. Right. Right. That your love for me will look like complete disregard to others. Right. That, and you know, you yet me. you must hold that intention with verses that say, honor your father and mother. Yes. It'll go well for you if you honor your father and mother. So I suggest when that happens, you don't say, well, Jesus said I should hate you. So I hate you. I'm going to church. (laughs) Right. That's probably not what you should lead with. Right. So honor your mother and father and share the gospel with them. Right. And that's what I was going to say is sometimes you just need to be honest with your family. And I think a lot of times Christians like overthink a matter and we think that we should be like, I don't know, super sleuthy and like try and figure out how to like, you know, do all these like spy moves to like get our parents (laughs) to become Christians as opposed to just being like, Listen, mom and dad, I know it's going to make you really unhappy, but like I'm a Christian and I really feel like Christmas is about Christ. And so I need to Mm -hmm. honor Christ and go to church with my family. If you want, you're more than welcome to come with us. We'll even pick you up on the way. Right. You can stay at our house and you can open up presents. Like you can even serve them and go out of your way to serve them while also, you know, keeping Christ the focus of the holiday. Like you don't have to isolate them, but you do need to plant your flag firmly where it belongs. And then if they come with you, praise the Lord, Mm -hmm. pray for that. And if they choose not to, then don't look back, you know? Yeah. Be a light and draw them in. And whatever words you share with them, your convictions that you share with them, may they be seasoned with salt. Right. Right. May may them may them may them may them may, may they. they. <laughs> Gosh, man. He's had like two sips of beer, y'all. I promise you, he's not <laughs> drunk. Yeah, and so may they eat those words to use biblical language. Eat yeah. those words, and then 
be thirsty. Like I, I want more of that. You know right. what I mean? So that that should be your desire when you do have to kind of lay down the law, mm-hmm. quote unquote. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, so we were talking about, you know, where in the Bible have we seen like families split though? And it was like a good thing. And actually, I thought of an additional example. Okay. This, we thought of one example in those 12 seconds we prepped. <laughs> and another one just popped into my head. But we see this with Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about God instituting the household as what he works through. So when we talk about the household, what is it? Like, because, you know, times are weird. Yeah. What are we talking about? Like, that's, you know, zoom in, be super specific. You're talking about... Husband, wife, children. Yes. The covenant relationship between a husband and a wife is a covenant relationship. And the Bible says that what God has joined together, let no man separate. Like that right. is... And that they are one. They, yeah, they are one. So that is most important. Number one, mm-hmm. above in-laws, above kids, above anything is yep. your marriage. Number one, besides your relationship with God and honoring him, obviously. And then after that, it's your children the fruit of that covenant relationship, that comes second. So I feel like we have to specify that, like spouse, children, and then actually church, right? Then the the body of Christ. And then hopefully extended family, which would be number four, would be a part of that church. That would Mm -hmm. be ideal. Right. But if they're not, then the then the extended family, in-laws, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever, then that's number four priority, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Just had I to lay that groundwork before we no, get... That's good. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, we could dig into the Bible and really show that that, that is where our um, our marching orders lie. Right. 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 Okay. So Abraham. So Abraham was settling the promised land or he was sent over into there Mm -hmm. and man we could talk forever about abraham but god made a covenant with abraham god made a covenant with him god made great promises to him god established um you know his household and said i will make your name very great Mm -hmm. all the peoples of the world will be blessed through you Mm -hmm. who i mean how many people get that blessing from god yeah you know but when abraham leaves ur and goes over to canaan he brings Lot, his nephew, with him. Who was his right. heir at the time, right? Like that was, he didn't have any children, correct? And so, so when he brought Lot over with him, that probably was the person who would have inherited everything. Yeah, and and Abraham left Ur. I know growing up, I thought it was just like Abraham and Sarai, and or Abram and Sarai, right? <laughs> and it's just them two just like, Marching well, along. here we go. <laughs> yeah. And then Lot just kind of like trailing along like, come yeah (laughs) but really if you read the story you see that they had hundreds of people with them well and that's where we're gonna go with this is that there were so many servants and livestock and like the Mm -hmm. mass amount of people was so great that the land actually couldn't support them both right their families were actually struggling because they were together right and so abraham and lot went separate ways yeah they they just used common sense Hey, uh, this isn't going to work out if we continue to try to like mix our households. Right. And so we need to separate. And so, all right, Lot, where do you want to go? And Abraham deferred to him, right? Yeah. He said, all right, where do you want to go? You pick here or here. I'll pick whatever you don't pick. Right. And then they separated. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, chapter two later in Genesis, Lot gets into some trouble 
And who comes and saves him? His uncle. Uncle Uncle Abram. Right. Abraham. I don't know when the name changes. <laughs> um, I think it's Abram at the time. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Uncle Abram comes and saves him and, you know, delivers him out of the hand and then meets Melchizedek. Good times. But <laughs> Go read it for yourself. Yeah. That's Genesis. Great book. Uh but we can see from that narrative that um, having some distance between you and extended family isn't a sin. Right. Like, it's not a, a bad thing. really good thing. And that can actually lead to the flourishing, mm-hmm. multiplication, and blessing to your household and to their household. Which is your primary goal, right? Yeah. Like, we, exactly. when we do our Sabbath dinners every night, one of the questions you ask the kids are, like, what, how does a Christian woman create a Christian culture? And the answer, one of the answers that our girls give is by being fruitful and multiplying. Mm -hmm. And that should be the goal of every family um, is to create a Christian culture in their home and in society. Mm -hmm. And we do that by multiplying and expanding. Exactly. So the second verse or story in the Bible that popped into my head was the story of Paul and Barnabas getting into a conflict and then splitting right. over immature mama's boy John Mark. By all by all accounts and purposes, if you read the story in Acts, it seems like John Mark is somewhat who knows, something might have happened in his family, which is why he left We'll get to heaven and find out you are slandering him <laughs> right, right now. <laughs> I know. John Mark, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But whatever it was, they disagreed over taking John Mark with them on the missionary journey and they could not reconcile which right nowadays it'd be like unthinkable. Like I can't believe you guys are can't reconcile dividing, yeah. and dividing over this. And actually James Jordan, who we have benefited a ton from. If you don't know James Jordan, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Yeah, what's but wrong you with need you to people? go download the Theopolis podcast. Yes. And be prepared to grow in leaps and bounds. It's such good stuff. It's fantastic. And he has a ton of of his books on PDF version for free that you can download on biblicalhorizons.com or .org or .whatever, but Biblical Horizons was his old ministry. I feel like he's one of the very few Christian authors that, like, if you were to go on eBay or, like, Abe's Books or something and, like, buy copies of his, you know, books that are maybe 15 years old or whatever, um, typically if you do that, books are super cheap, like four bucks, five bucks. But James Jordan's books are not that cheap, even used, because they're good like people don't get rid of them yeah highly sought after they're actually rare yeah i think his book on genesis primeval saints is the cheapest one you'll find other than that like his hermeneutics book through through new eyes it's like 40 you're gonna start if you are like oh this guy sounds really interesting maybe i'll check him out like that's the book to go to right like through Through, new eyes yeah that's his magnum opus yeah if you're looking for something to like be challenged with and grow with and just something new and different. His, yeah. It's good stuff, man. Super good. and Totally, that's totally yeah, that's sidebar. That's totally free chicken right now. <laughs> but his his lectures that Theopolis Institute puts out, and they've put out a ton over the last three, four years or whatever. Yeah. So you can go back in their feed on SoundCloud or whatever and so get them. Anything James Jordan is great. James B. Jordan. And um, like I said, go to the website and get the PDFs. He we're just, actually reading a book together of his right Yeah. Reading a book. We're reading one of his books together right now. I'll get it straight. <laughs> From Bread to Wine. Right? It's about creation. 
We don't need to get into it. Yeah, anyway. we don't need to do that. Anyway, fantastic <laughs> book. James Jordan. Really good. You will not regret it. But uh, why I brought him up was that he talks about how um, the fact that we have many denominations in the church mm. is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. A lot of times denominations split and then it causes people to do other things, other works. It motivates people to right. do new things. It's like a Tower of Babel kind of. Like the Tower of Babel right. actually was an incredible blessing because it did expand the reaches mm-hmm. of the gospel. Right. That was the intention at least. Yeah. So when Paul and Barnabas split, mm-hmm. what happened? The gospel went two separate directions now instead of just one. Right. It actually caused multiplication and blessing. Mm-hmm. And then I believe Paul took Silas with him. You know what I mean? And then they picked up Timothy on that trip, I believe. And it just, so you just automatically see that this division, right? This um, unreconcilable relationship, supposedly, right? It might right. have just, it might have not been that heated. We always input so much of our right. own understanding right like oh man they must have been so angry they're probably throwing punches and right. someone got a bloody nose and yeah. yeah um one of them's baptist one of them's presbyterian <laughs> <laughs> they just can't do ministry together not nah, yeah. john mark was teetering <laughs> <laughs> um but but what we really see though is that god used that to then cause more multiplication and we it, like i said cause the gospel to go and more directions than one and so even in just saying that i think we have to say that when when we do set up a home whether Mm -hmm. you're just starting out whether you're just you know learning and taking notes for the future or whether you've been married for 15 years and now your theology has changed and you're going in a new direction um what we need to do is have a biblical principle for everything we do yeah exactly like when you cook dinner at night why do you cook dinner at night there should be a bible verse for it Mm -hmm. when you are praying with your kids at night why are you praying with your kids there should be a bible verse encouraging you to do that and and how to do that when you pay your bills when you purchase a home when you go to church when like everything ought to have a correlating biblical principle tied to it And if it doesn't, then A, you've just not done the hard work of figuring out whether you should do the said thing or not, or maybe you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Like, I know a lot of people will do things out of habit or because their parents did it a certain way, Um, especially when it comes to raising kids. I think a lot of times we will just do things a certain way because our parents did things a certain way and so that's just how we've always done it and so we're going to keep doing it that way well you know we've come quite far in our parenting and though we appreciate what our parents have done for us growing up we have been um convicted of certain biblical principles and we've made some changes and there's a a biblical principle that corresponds to how and why we parent, how we parent, or whatever. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Yep. So there, in a, a Theopolis Institute book, <laughs> Peter Lightheart, it's called Theopolitan Reading, and it literally just came out. And any book I buy, I read the first like three pages instantly, and then I make a plan <laughs> of when I'm going to read it. But I always have to like... Based on how good those three pages are? Well, I mean, I bought the book, so... But this was a Cornelius Van Til uh, ism, 
and he he used to say scripture is authoritative on everything about which it speaks and it speaks about everything right so when people say to you like um well we're unsure what we're going to do about whatever it is yet like Mm -hmm. we're just we're we're comfortable where we're at and we're just going to wait for god to lead us like what would you say to that person who's just like very Pentecostal and they're like, God will lead us where he wants to lead us. And we're not going to do the hard work of attaching a biblical principle to whatever the topic is. So say, say to you, I'll be, I'll be more specific. Okay. 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 Say that there is a couple that comes to you, pastor Grant, and they say, um, we have two kids and my wife is really tired. She doesn't want to have any more kids. I feel like we should have at least one more child. What should we do? Right. So you, you have to ground that person in biblical commands in, in a biblical principle. And so you go back to the cultural mandate which is the command to be fruitful and multiply. What if she says to you, but I just feel this way and God hasn't changed my heart on this topic yet. So, well, Jeremiah 17, nine says that the heart is deceitful (laughs) and wicked above all things. Okay. So what if she says, but the Bible also says that a husband should love his wife and give himself up for her. So maybe the husband ought to just give up his desires for his wife. But not if they're biblical desires, sweetheart. See, and, and this is and this is where, like, if you don't have biblical principles right. for every each and every one of those situations, mm-hmm. you can easily be like ricocheted off in a crazy direction, right? right where like the wife owns the house basically, and her emotions yeah. have you know become this like tyrannical mind. ruler. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about wisdom is that we do believe that the Bible shows us this pattern, which again, mm-hmm. James Jordan. This yep. pattern of priest, king, prophet, where as a priest, you are learning the very specific do's and don'ts of how to worship, love God, live your life, right? And that is the law. And then... So you see that in God giving the Ten Commandments to his people. Right. The Bible starts out with law, right? Yep. The whole Our whole canon starts out with law. And then the Bible moves on to a, a period of kings, right? Where they're trying to rule with those laws and according to those laws, but we see that the kings use wisdom. And so Solomon mm-hmm. right, asks for wisdom, which is something that Adam and Eve were supposed to get by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were supposed to get that wisdom to rule on God's timing, though. Right. They grabbed it too soon. They right. they would have gotten there, but they grabbed authority before they had the time before to do their that. Time. They mm-hmm. didn't remain in their priestly role right. long enough. Right. right. That's That's what we can gather. Right. But we see that the kings then implement wisdom based on that law, right? So that principle foundation has been laid first, and then it's built upon with wisdom. Mm -hmm. You don't ditch the law or ditch the cultural mandate or, you know, start using Bible verses and say like, (laughs) well, the husband's just supposed to love me and do whatever I say. No, that's not what it means. Right. And so that's kind of what I was like trying to get at is... You can have a Bible verse that can basically justify any sinful action. You can, uh, our pastor here has said that yeah. to me. He said, listen, you can justify anything. Yeah, you really can. All. And you cults can. do all the time. Right. Like that's why there's an assortment of cults and you pick your flavor and you'll find 
whatever you want. Probably within a hundred mile radius of you, honestly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and you can be in the middle of nowhere and there are still crazy cults everywhere. I'm just saying. Doesn't have to be New York City. They're everywhere. Facts. Snake handlers. Look up some documentaries. It's fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> anyway, so this is where like you do have to like learn and do the hard work of mm-hmm. um, digging through God's law and learning how to be a priest first, learning mm-hmm. how to like just obey God's principles. Like at least set up your home with the foundation of and me and me, you know, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like start right. there and build upon it. And then the, the roles are set biblically, the man's role, the woman's role, mm-hmm. the kid's role, all that's set biblically. You have to, and that sometimes that takes time, right? right. I, th- I think it's normal for a marriage and a family to spend years solidifying that. Yeah. You know oh, I mean? for sure. Especially and, if you're newlyweds, like that's, yeah. you're all kinds of, right. you know, student learning right there. <laughs> all kinds of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you build upon it that wisdom of, uh, what we do for each holiday. And is there a biblical principle for this? Is there a biblical warrant for me to, you know, do this or not? Is our yearly calendar devoted to God or right. not? Right. And that includes all the holidays, all the right. birthdays, all the whatever. It all should be so, devoted to God. So that might be an interesting thing to talk about too, is how we sometimes live our life thinking that certain aspects of our life are to be devoted to Christ. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Sunday morning we go to church and like maybe our kids go to a Christian school and yeah, mom stays home. She might have an Etsy account, but like she's pretty homeward focused and like dad's doing his due diligence, providing for the family and like everything's great. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes time to think about entertainment or the friends that our kids are hanging out with, or the music, you know, we listen to even more specifically, yeah. the movies we watch. Uh, do we let our kids play video games? Do we let our kids do sleepovers? Do we, and then like so on and so forth, you know? There's so many different things that we perhaps neglect to think that are, or could be related to a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. So we think like our kids going to a sleepover, that's just something we can decide. Do we want them to? Do we not want them to? Whatever. But then we we don't stop and think like, does the Bible have anything to say about this? Does the Bible have anything to say about how we view entertainment or how we uh, host people in our home or... Um, I mean, every what toys yeah. we let our kids play with. The list could go on forever. Well, the... The, the lie that people believe there is that there are things that are neutral, right? So Bingo. But the truth is that there is nothing neutral at all. No education, no entertainment, no toy, no friendship is neutral. No social and setting. If you think, do you th- does the Bible really care about this minute of a thing? I'll tell you mm. that if you read the story of Gideon, it even mattered how you drank water from a stream. Right. <laughs> and if you stuck your face straight down into it, then God saw you unfit for war. Mm. And so it was those who even during a time of refreshing and a break, right, a, a moment of at ease for these soldiers about to go to war, they had to put their hand to the water, bring the water to their mouth, and still remain alert and remain in an attitude of 
while I'm a warrior at battle, and even though this is a time of refreshing, it still matters how I conduct myself. Right, and that's that time. and that's the thing is that a lot of people think, well, this is recreation time. Yep. So I can just shove my face down in that water and enjoy the water for all it is. Mm-hmm. As opposed to thinking, yes, this is a time of recreation, but I still must honor the mission that God has sent me on. Exactly. Yeah. And so I can rest and you know enjoy this water. But I still need to be cautious because there still is an enemy seeking to devour. And so when you are addressing those family members who are opposing your choices, that is super helpful to remember, mm-hmm. right? To to be going, okay, well, um, I can't, this isn't neutral. Right. I, I am at war. You know what I mean? We, as Christians, we talk about we're at war, we're at war, not to make everyone all hyper and whatever, but to just <laughs> you know, like keep you on track you know what I mean? well and as someone who's been to war you could probably tell us like even when you're sleeping do you ever sleep as well overseas even on a sec- semi-secured base like a larger base right as you do in your own bed at home never you never do not a night and even when me and my buddy would go to the little makeshift hut that we called a coffee shop <laughs> um our gun was still with us. Right. Right? You still had to be on the lookout. Mm-hmm. And even though it was relatively safe, you have your gun on you the whole time. And that's time. the reality that every Christian has to realize they're living in light of. Like, that's just our reality right. all you the time. You should have your gun on you at all times. Right. And so there might be a difference when you're um, dealing with Christians, extended family Mm -hmm. or whatever, who are Christians, Christian children, perhaps you have older children. Like we have known couples who are, you know, in the middle stages of life, whose kids are off in college or married, just starting their own families. And they have, um, had to learn how to deal with Christian children Mm -hmm. because as you send your children off into the world, the relationship changes, especially if they're getting married or whatever, like everything changes. And so learning how to discuss things with a Christian child or Christian family member is different even than how you deal with a non-Christian like child or a non-Christian family member because a Christian ought to be able to speak to another Christian truthfully, in um, all honesty, hoping to remain in fellowship and stay in fellowship. And if there is an incident or a situation that needs to be worked out or talked through, mm-hmm. then we have the scripture to guide us in all things. Well, and there's a commonality also of baptism, right? Yeah. We've all been baptized. You are marked with God's name. And so you can you can call that person back to that. Whereas an unbeliever, right, you can't do that. You can't, There's right. a clear difference. So you have to realize, too, though, that there is going to be a difference. So if you're dealing with someone who is not a Christian, you can't expect them to act like a Christian. You right. can't expect them to know and understand and appreciate the things that you do. Right, which means you don't, it's not that you don't say things then, you just probably have to say them differently, I would say. Yeah. Like, you, well, and you still need, to, need ex- to hear the truth in the gospel. Yeah, you need to say them, but you need to say them in a more elementary fashion, probably, right? Right, and and there, there might, the, you know, the, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, because if they are a Christian, 
then mm-hmm. you would want them to see what you see, right? And come to the same convictions. Right, you would want them yeah. to understand scripture same as you do, but if it's a non-believer, they're, they're not even that far yet. So, right. So it's just a little bit of a different conversation. Right, and so we have discussed a few things with people, like I said, over the last couple of days. And sometimes I think it's really realizing that um, when you're faced with situations where things are changing, to just be honest about them. And, and like, they're going to realize things have changed. You know things have changed. So if they come to you and say, like, hey, are you okay? I've just noticed you've been more distant. Or mm-hmm. we don't see you at the lake house every Sunday. Or like, what's going on here? Right. Just be honest. Yeah. Don't be, like, weird and be like, oh, well, the kids have been kind of oh, sick. And, like, we've been kind of tired. Like, just be like... Oh, actually, like we've just really come to this conclusion that we need to be in church on Sunday. So that's kind of been like our focus. And that's probably what we're going to do from now on. So like we love you guys and we're like hoping to see you and come hang out again soon. Maybe after church next week, we could come by or something. But this is what we're doing now. Well, and just be open and honest about that. And one of the most potent things any Christian can do is to just state their convictions like that. Yeah, this, like, it's, like it's totally normal. It's totally just what we're doing. And right. almost like if you don't see it this way, I don't know how you couldn't, but this is just the yeah. reality. So right. don't be like sheepish and kind of like sidestep it because what that does is it makes you seem like you're ashamed. And that you don't believe it really or right. that you don't really have a conviction, but maybe somebody else is forcing you or something or, you right. know, or whatever. You don't but, need to be apologetic. No. I, if the Bible yeah. is telling you to do something expressly, then do it. Obey it and do it joyfully. And that's the thing, too, is even when we are parenting our children, we always require joyful obedience. Like, mm-hmm. God requires joyful obedience from us. So if when we're faced with situations like that, we seem, like, kind of bummed out about it. Like, man, you know, we, we just miss you so much. Like, I really wish we didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, God, he told us we should, so. God and all his, like, power and stuff. Like, we're just going to do this now. Like, if you seem right, super bummed about it, that's wrong-headed. Right. Again, you're with, with sugarcoating the answer, like what Erica was saying, and then answering this way also. That's not going to draw anybody in. No, they don't all. want to serve a God who's attractive. forcing you to do stuff. I've, I've noticed more and more, maybe this year has really drawn it out, but people are attracted mm-hmm. to those with conviction. Mm-hmm. And they're not jerks, right? Right, But just people with conviction, people who right. believe something and are convicted about it. And if you believe that's good news then be all the more convicted and firm in it and say like, well, yeah, I mean, he's he's bought me. Right. He's, he owns my whole life. I owe everything to him. So yeah, for sure. I'm, I mean, I, I have to give this to him. I, right. I love him for the grace he's shown me. So just that rather, right there, probably blow them away. And just like, oh my gosh, wow, that's okay. I just felt like I went to church, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, stop preaching now. Yeah, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, joyful obedience. Like, no, like, God's really showed us this stuff. And like, this is what we're doing on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And like, if you ever want to come with us, like, you're more than welcome. We'll pick you up. We'll take your kids, whatever. Yeah. Like, being excited about it, being joyfully obedient in whatever thing God is teaching you yeah. goes so far. Yeah, that's really good. And don't, so the other thing I want to bring up as we're starting to sort of close here um maybe (laughs) we don't know we have no plan there's yeah 12 seconds of prep we didn't talk about how long it was going to be 
Um, Barely about what we're talking about. <laughs> I know some of the uh, some Presbyterians, some in the Reformed world, are really Sabbatarian. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's that group, and I've heard stories of them being quite a burden on their family on the Sabbath because they go to their house because that's when the family gets together. Mm-hmm. But if the family's watching TV and they don't believe they should do that on a Sabbath, like they'll sit in a different room. Apart they, from their family. Apart from the family. And and they won't let the kids watch TV. And then and then they won't let anybody like help prepare food because they prepared food before and that's a work on the, like they get real crazy with it. So it's like, oh here's my religious conviction and i know we've been talking about you being strong in your convictions and all that kind of stuff but then but if you're going to your family's house on the lord's day and you think you shouldn't prepare food on the lord's day but then you're sitting in their kitchen watching them all work and serve you and your family yeah i hate to tell you this but like you're missing the point right so that's what i wanted to bring out (laughs) is that that kind of religious rigor is missing the point so if you are that convicted then maybe you just shouldn't go to your yeah, family's house sure on the lord's day should have stayed home but sitting in their home having them wait on you hand and foot right. is the opposite of the gospel yeah are you going to eat the food that they just prepared quote unlawfully on the sabbath yeah it's just a weird yeah. thing for me but this is where like we were talking about earlier like you have to yes be the priest first, understand mm. God's laws first, right. but then don't stay there. Like in grow to wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. God's time, like, grow into wisdom, learn that kingly wisdom and how to mm. apply God's law in all the different situations yeah. that life right. throws at you. And then what we didn't talk about though, was the prophet. You want to talk about like the prophet stage? Well, and then, so Jordan, James Jordan, James B. Jordan, um, <laughs> develops this. Throw some respect on it. That's right. Uh, doctor. I think he does have a doctorate. I, I think. think so. Anyway. Um, but he he further shows from scripture and from the structure of the whole. The whole thing, it's really fantastic. Go listen to his <laughs> lectures on priest, prophet, king, or priest, king, prophet, rather. And he shows that once a king is done with his role, he moves on to the role of prophet where the prophet obviously speaks the words of God, but is then the one um, proclaiming it, leading, guiding mm-hmm. those who need to, um, to hear God's word. Mm-hmm. So those priests who need to hear God's word, you see it in the old Testament all the time. The prophets are the one calling out who the priests and the Kings. Mm-hmm. Well, and other prophets, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, Jeremiah is like, yeah, there's all these prophets saying peace, peace, but there's no peace. Yeah. But they are saying, you know, the priests are doing this. You offer sacrifices and you do this thing, but your heart is far from God. And, you know, that would mm-hmm. be in Isaiah. And things like that happen. And, of course, kings often, um, you know, Elijah, Elisha, hello. Yeah. Where they are often calling out the kings. But the prophet is the one who is, you know, above the people speaking the word of God down. And you see this in, you know, a later stage of life. Where typically at a great the greatest level of maturity, right? Right. Which is what all Christians are called to. Mm-hmm. All Christians are called to be prophets, and that's why even um, in First Corinthians, Paul says, "Like I, I wish that you would all just speak a prophetic word." Yeah, true. And that's what he was talking about. Yeah, and Hebrews five says, 
that you know he, Paul is calling people out there saying you're still on milk but by this time you should be teachers right you should be in that prophet stage right. you should have done the priestly stage and then graduated into the wisdom kingly mm, king, role yeah. and at this point now you should be even beyond that and be a prophet right you should be a teacher you should be teaching those who are in the priestly stage so that's our encouragement to all of you is start in the priestly role like dig into scripture it speaks into every aspect of life. And then once you understand and know what God's word, what God's law says about mm -hmm. everything, then ask God for wisdom. Then you um, embrace that kingly role and you start applying that wisdom, you know, based on God's law into every aspect of your life. And then once you've done that, then you get to do the prophet thing where you're inviting your friends, you're inviting your family, you're telling them what God's word has to say. Right. And... Um, and different topics, you it may you may be at different stages with different yeah oh, for portions sure. of scripture or topics too. Because I, I feel like some people may be like, well, I'm pretty good on this, but but this Old Testament, this or whatever, like psh, nowhere near. You know, okay, got it. We're all growing in different ways. Well, different and times, even so even for you and I, like thinking this is going on three years that we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, when Halloween, we started out, we were there. Reformed Baptists. Yeah, who, look how much we've grown. <laughs> we're who, Presbyterian now. Well, we're, well, yeah, but like even our eschatology, like we weren't, we weren't True. even post mill when we started this. Yeah, no, we, we like we have grown so much, and yeah. honestly, even even us becoming post mill was us thinking like we don't have a very strong opinion on this mm -hmm. certain topic of eschatology. Yeah, that's wrong because there's a godly principle, there's a yeah. godly teaching about eschatology we should know that teaching yeah. and we should be learning about this. so like There's a large portion of the bible devoted to that yeah so we gotta know it so let's figure that let's figure that out yeah let's do some searching right. and so this is our encouragement to you guys is god's word does speak to every little aspect every mm -hmm. little thing everything even the things that you think are so minute and minuscule god's word actually does talk about they matter and, and it, it you does may not matter. know why it matters today, but tomorrow might be the day you realize, oh yeah, that does matter quite a Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. <laughs> so you never know. But And so if you want some homework. Oh yeah, people love when you give them homework. <laughs> if you are a husband listening to this, yeah. or just a single guy who will one day be a husband, Lord willing, what would your encouragement be to that man? Because he's going to be the leader of his home, right? Yes. Should be, will be, should is should and will is is, is the leader, just a good one or a bad yes. one. Um, you need to obviously read the scripture and and really understand your role as the head of the home. First Corinthians eleven, Ephesians five six, and First Peter three. Um, read Doug Wilson's Reforming Marriage. It is fantastic for men. I have benefited from it, benefited from it greatly, and many times over, mm. because, um, you know, you just need to be reminded every now and again. But that will help you. But when this, you can know, I say something? Is that okay? I'll allow it. <laughs> As the leader of our home, I uh, grant permission. <laughs> Oh, Lordy, if you always granted me permission every time I spoke, I'd be in a lot less trouble. Um, one thing I will say about 
our home and mm-hmm. our family that I am very appreciative of is that you, from day one, have always been a student of the word. And you've always cared greatly about theology. And now going into this new chapter of our life where you Mm -hmm. will finally be a pastor, which was your goal 11 years ago, Mm -hmm. God just now is, you know, bringing you into that, that mission field. But even before you were given that role, um, you were studying for it. You were practicing for it in your family and you were learning to lead, learning to grow, um, and, and I think that's important, learning to grow, like realizing yeah. that I don't know everything, but I want to. So yeah. I'm going to start learning how to get there, how to yeah. get to where I want to be someday. And so as as a wife, even where I've seen you fail and even where I, I've seen like inconsistencies or whatever, I can always... Um, just trust the Lord knowing that like you're in his word and where you need to change. I know the Holy Spirit will do that. And you are looking in the scriptures to be convicted by God's word. And I know that the Holy Spirit's able to do that because that's where you're looking for answers. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. And that's the encouragement, dudes who are listening to this, is continually be a student of the word. And as Paul said, like no one's arrived. Like there yeah. is no arrival. There's no arrival. Mm-hmm. So you, and, and that's an encouraging thing, not a, not a bleak thing. Right. Um, obviously when Jesus comes back and, uh, you know, makes all things new, we will know a whole lot more. But right now you are a student and you are to continually learn. And and it's not okay. Go, and it's not okay to just be like, but theology books are hard. Right. Or <laughs> or well, I really just like eschatology, so that's all I read. Or I to be know. like, I really like golf, and I know I could go to the men's Bible study on Saturday morning, but I'd rather go but golf with my buddies. That's the best tea time. Yeah. Yeah. No, you need to actively be pursuing some kind of discipleship in that mm-hmm. area, and pick up something amazing like john calvin's institutes and read five pages a day a few pages a day and just slowly work through that stuff if there's one resource that you could force every man to read like he there's no escaping it he has to read and comprehend every page of the book okay to like learn to be a godly leader a godly man what book would it be or maybe not even a book, like maybe yeah. a podcast or a sermon or whatever. What would it be? Do you have one? I don't even That's know. a really hard question. Because <laughs> for like a systematic theology or like a total encompassing work like that, I probably would recommend Calvin's Institute. Okay. Because I think Calvin touches on almost everything. Nobody... I mean, so that that might be a yeah. good thing to say too. Is like you think I want to be a good husband and a good father, a good guy, mm-hmm. and you go to like a how to be a godly Christian man book when it really like you just need all of Scripture. Yes, you just need like a framework. Right, and yeah. once you have that framework, right, and I think Calvin is one of the one of the ones that as you read him, you learn how to read the Bible too, like him, and I think. Mm-hmm. He is one of the greatest gifts to the church that yeah. God has ever given us. And, there, you know what I mean? He's like top five. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 
So reading his institutes will give you a complete under an understanding. And I know that's a big statement, right? A complete understanding. Um, he's not perfect. No, no one is, but it will, it will help you learn how to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe if I could say, read his entire commentary. <laughs> he's written, John Calvin wrote commentaries on almost every book of the Bible. Um, and every time I read it, I'm helped. Every time I read it. It's- so don't just go to like the how to be a good husband book. Go to like just learning how to study God's word. Yes. I, actually, probably more often than not, do not go to the how to be a good husband yeah, book. Yeah, that's good. There are, there are very few um, how to be a husband books that I've read or looked into, heard about that are actually beneficial. Most of them are more about being a beta male servant leader to your wife, which is just irritating to godly women. And truth. Um, and um, what's the other thing? And, and there's tons of just psycho- psychobabble, psychology yeah. garbage that are in those books anyway. And it's they're not biblical in most well, of the ways. So that's helpful. Um, but the other thing I was going to encourage men to do is, you know, in that moment when it comes to family, you know, conflict and opposition, to understand your role as your wife's covering and protection as a head. You are there to be that go-between, and there. So have, your wife shouldn't be taking blows. No, you do not go. Well, that's your family. That's a. <laughs> which we did that for a very long time and i think to our shame we probably even like instructed people in that direction sorry guys (laughs) but the husband is head of the home he is his wife's protection and covering she's the weaker vessel right so living with understanding with her is going to be okay this is i need to take this blow and that means asking her too, like how are things going with your mom i know the last time you talked to her she was really upset Mm-hmm. do i need to talk to her or yeah. next time she calls let me pick it up or yeah you find out there's a an issue yeah you say okay well let me call yeah you know you just step in or when it comes time to make holiday plans or birthday plans or whatever it's like okay i'll call your mom and i'll make plans with her i'm not mm-hmm. gonna i'm not gonna force you to be the person who takes those punches right so it's good so husbands yeah learn learn to do that in a godly way. Yep. Are we good? Think that's good? I think we've been long-winded enough. Yeah. All right, guys. We appreciate you for listening. And as always, we solicit your uh, comments and feedback yep. on the episode. We appreciate it. We hope this was helpful. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the work that you do is not in vain. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. <laughs>